All right. Bing bong, boom bong. Oh, I thought we were testing. <laughs> Are we introducing them to like, hey, this is the Mudstad and Skull Cat podcast. I think we should at least tell the good people who we are. All right. Well, who are you? I'm Kelsey. Okay. I'm Robin. <laughs> our flow our flow is good so far. So far, so good. Um, and this is Mudstuds and Skullcaps, which is an eventing-themed podcast, but just really a horse-themed podcast. In reality, we're just a couple of sisters that want to talk about horses all the time and figure we want to share what we're talking about with other people. Yeah, we just want to share our experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, with you, what we've learned throughout the years, what we're working on, what our goals are, just share it all. And the best part, maybe the worst part, is that we're not professionals. We're average horse riders. We're average people just like you who have learned to ride average horses uh, and make it pretty far. I guess the alternative name for our podcast could be completely average. Completely average. Yeah, that's that's who we are. We're just generic, average, horse crazy girls. could just kick it off with who we are um i know we already introduced ourselves but once again i'm robin i currently live in north carolina i have one horse her name is trin she's an 18 year old thoroughbred mare that i have had for over 10 years now i think i've had her for a really long time um i'm kelsey and i live in washington so we are a whole country apart from each other and i bet you can't even tell that that's how good our recording is I'm just i'm just kidding are you kidding our material i don't know i'm imagining we sound pretty echoey i don't think we sound <laughs> echo- i know i don't sound echoey my mic you know you sound good i will actually give you i think you sound good but i'm afraid of mine <laughs> i hate my recording like i just sound so annoying when we're recording but you're using a different voice now than voice. what you were just using to explain who you are you just have to use this voice no it's the same freaking no, voice it's not. this is my voice no, it's not. <laughs> just talk normal just be a normal kid you got to get your flow going, man. Sick flow. <laughs> Sick flow. Okay, let me start that from the top. I am Kelsey. I live in Washington on the West Coast. See, that was more natural sounding. Perfect. So I have three horses. One of them is my retired show horse, who is a thoroughbred. And then I have, um, that's Dublin. And then I have Nim, who's my older mystery Appaloosa gelding. And then I have Addie, which is my eight-year-old. She's the most perfect horse that has ever graced oh the planet. Oh my God, here we go already. I will just let you guys know right off the top, Kelsey is in love with Addie. She loves this horse more than anything. I will try to share something incredible that my pony does, and I immediately get a picture back. No response to what my horse did. I only get a picture back of Addie. Of like, just look how perfect my pony is. Okay, my horse is... Kelsey loves this Okay, so my horse is freaking fantastic. She is... (laughs) See? See, I don't even care what your horse did because my horse is better. Okay. I'm sorry, but like, my issue with Addie, not issue, my... My issue, just my issue with me (laughs) is that I, we grew up with a lot of horses. I think at the most we had like five horses at home and then two horses that were boarded at the barn so that we could have a big arena to ride in. So we have always had a lot of horses and not a single one of those horses did I ever truly click with or connect with. So I was perfectly fine having seven horses because I didn't really connect with any of them. 
So it was like never enough horse. I was never so passionate about one horse or so invested in one horse that I was perfectly happy owning and riding a lot of horses. And then when I got Addie, that was like the first time where I really connected with a horse. And that like phrase heart horse actually started to mean something. And so now like I have definitely shifted my perspective and I do not need seven horses anymore. That is way too many. Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. It is way too many. (laughs) There was only two of us that rode. Why did we need seven horses? In our defense though, in our defense, it'll have to be a whole nother episode. We had five horses, two we found, and that's what brought us to seven. We didn't intentionally get seven horses. Two were found in the woods behind our house. And so that's how they were added to the herd. And obviously, we just couldn't leave them out. Five was a lot for two kids that rode, but seven was an exceptionally large number. Yeah, and I mean, I think that was the peak. We didn't have, I don't think we had seven for very long because some of them were, uh, like, got leased out Yeah, as soon as we hit some seven, we were, were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we got to, something's got to get figured yeah. out here. We need to start leasing ponies out, letting other kids ride them and stuff. Which is, which is great. But like, do you, I don't know if you agree with me or if you've found this with Trin, because you didn't get, Trin was originally my horse, so you didn't even have her when we were at seven. I had yeah. her. Like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like, I didn't feel a connection with any of those horses. Like, got, like I love Dublin. Don't get me wrong. I love Dublin. I also hate Dublin because he's <laughs> a pain in the butt. Um, anyone who has an off-the-track thoroughbred knows exactly what I'm talking yes. about, where you're like, you love that horse, but oh my gosh, do you want to murder them half the time? Because they just have so many attitude issues. They are just like, everything either bothers them or doesn't bother them. And like, whichever one it is, is not the response you want. <laughs> He was just difficult with everything. And he's, Addie's amazing. That's all. That's, this whole rant is to say Addie's amazing. (laughs) No, I get what you're talking about, that you didn't click with all of them. I felt that I clicked with a lot of them. And I absolutely loved the majority of our horses and stuff. But there was a few in there that, like Dublin, I didn't really click with Dublin. He's not my horse. He's your horse. So, you know, I never really spent that extra time with him and really got to know him except for there was like one summer when I was riding him a lot and I started really clicking with him but there's certain personalities just like with people that you really hit it off with you really click and you're just you guys are ready to go you're on the same page like I understand what you're talking about I just I found with a lot of the ponies that we had growing up I clicked with them really well and I really loved all of them that's um interesting because you know how like some horses are really good with lots of riders and some horses are like a one yes person horse you sound like you're the the first one where you're you can connect with a lot of different horses and really kind of I guess it's like see through their horsiness to see like the really great animal and I just like I I'm not that person yeah. I cannot connect with multiple horses it really takes no I get and that. I guess I think I'm also really particular especially as I get older it's like I've ridden so many difficult horses that I am done with a difficult horse like I am burnt out on that. <laughs> And I really just want a calm, sane, like, if my horse only wants to jog, I'm okay with that. <laughs> like, no, I get that. I, I don't know. I get really attached, though, to my horses. So I click with a lot of horses and I get very attached, which probably isn't the healthiest thing in the world. But I, like, Trent, I love my horse to death. I would do anything for that stupid little brown blob out in the pasture. But I do, I do click with a lot more than it sounds like you do. But, I mean, when you have all the experience and, like, growing up with seven horses, I am so glad we had that many. That way I know now in my elder years that I'm never getting seven horses ever again. I don't even know if I'm going to get two. Yes. (laughs) 
I know. Trying to work like a full-time job. And at one point I had four horses at home and then a fifth one at the barn. So like my herd is dwindling in recent years, um, trying to get it down to a more manageable level. It's a lot of work, especially, you know, when they're either at the barn and you're taking care of them or they're at the house and you're taking care of them. That's just like so much work and trying to do a full-time job. It has definitely made me in the last like couple years really reconsider how I see myself with equines and how I want to move my career, horse career along and what I want to focus on, especially the last two years now that I um, am no longer. So prior to working the office job I have now, I worked on a dude ranch. Um, I worked there for 2011 to like 2015. You did the dude ranch gig for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I loved the dude ranch thing. The dude ranch life, being out in like the country, like away from the city. We had 60 horses, um, which was amazing. Obviously, I definitely found a couple gems in that herd that I really connected (laughs) with. Um, But yeah, I was in charge of the herd. I was, you know, doing all the riding, taking care of all the horses, doing a lot of the training of those in the herd that needed it. Uh, And I've definitely like coming home have realized that like, I really actually loved that part where I got to work with the dude ranch horses. Um, And I do love like training and working with that type of horse. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's a different, it's not your hot Arabs and thoroughbreds. (laughs) I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love a good thoroughbred. I will always consider myself an eventer. I desperately want to get back into eventing, but there's something to be said for a really nice trail horse. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get that. I mean... I think we've taken our horses on countless number of trail rides only to jig home the entire way. And I mean, I love my horse, but man, do I want to murder them in the nicest way possible in those moments. Because jigging home a whole hour that you rode out for is horrible. It sucks. I don't care who you are. That is the worst experience ever. And at some point, you're just tired, your butt hurts, and you want to be at home. <laughs> yeah, just wanted to be over. <laughs> like, I'm just like, done. <laughs> or having a horse that stands still, period. I mean, growing up, I did not focus enough on some of those smaller, finer details like standing still and standing at the mounting block. Mm-hmm. So later in my life, I'm realizing that, man, do I really enjoy my horse? Can just stand or can just walk. Such a cool skill to have. Yes, that is um, one of my big goals with Addie this year is that we are going to be developing three great gates, walk, trot, canter, and it can all be done on a long rein because that is just like, it's so nice to not have to constantly be on that you can relax. I mean, that is the definition of relaxation, right? That you do not have to be holding your horse in place. They can do it on that longer rein in a more stretched out frame. Uh, But it's just so nice to be able to like, either ride and have a more packaged ride where you are riding connected and together or just to relax and give a long rein at either the walk trot or canner it's things that you have to work on but it's all it makes for a lot better an overall rounded pony that you can just take anywhere and ride anywhere and do so many more things with them which i think is a thing that some of the top eventers like i know michael young he really promotes the having a versatile horse and that you should be able to do various things with these horses and not just one discipline And I think that, like, looking back at when we had, you know, seven horses or five horses, I think we really did segment our horses out. Like, this one evented. And I know we did – that's not 100% true, but, like, we did have gaming horses and we did have eventing horses. No, we definitely did. But it wasn't necessarily just because we were segmenting them out so much as that's what they preferred to do. So, like, I know one of our ponies growing up, his name was Cloud. He was a little fried in the head at a young age, and we got him off of somebody who got him out of a kill lot. 
and he was very tense and nervous and there's a lot of places that we went wrong with him but he ended up really liking western games and liking to do barrel racing and so that's really where he clicked and wanted to work and want to be and so that's kind of why we put him into just that field and didn't really make him do eventing or jumping because he just he didn't enjoy the other stuff yeah i mean i think yeah him we just should have gone to gaming sooner but instead of like i think we wasted did a lot of time trying to get him to relax because that he was fried like there was something mentally wrong with that horse like something had happened that fried this horse and there really wasn't and i feel so bad there wasn't a he was such back. a sweetheart he was yeah he was a very sweet just like just a frazzled horse was, and pretty he was so pretty he was, he was very pretty and he was very talented i mean he had just tight little knees he was very cute and everything and so Somebody just took advantage of his willing, sweet nature and ended up just frying his poor little brain. But I'm very glad that our family got him and we were able to work through that and just give him the career that he wanted and ended up like, you know, he got such a good retirement and everything. He was a happy fella. Yes. And he got Katie as his uh, his companion pony. (laughs) And a crazy little mare uh, pony. Yeah. That's every geldings, you know best case scenario is to end up with a crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's true kind of looking back at how we had so many segmented horses or horses that were really in there had their own specific career it's definitely changed how I want to move forward with my horses and that I like Addie for example because I love her and I'll always talk about her (laughs) um (laughs) here we go the Addie show just rename it now there we go (laughs) perfect I don't see anything wrong with that (laughs) no just like she's eight years old We'll get into this at some other point, but can only do low impact work. And it makes me like, you know what? I wouldn't be so like, it wouldn't be so bad if we did a couple performance shows again, or we did some dressage, or we did mounted trail. Like, it wouldn't be so bad. Like, I really want her because we could only do lower level things. It would be great if we could do like everything. Um, Because she's only eight. We've got somewhat of a career left, some time left before she has to be retired. So it'd be fantastic if we could just like, try to do it all and that's part of the reason now that I only want a couple horses one of my horses is retired and then she and her buddy who live at home like that's that's a good amount and that would allow me to do everything yeah with my horse instead of just focusing on like one thing with each horse because that's all the time I have no I get that I think with me going forward with my riding goals is so I originally I thought you know maybe do I want to ride professionally do I want to do I don't know do I want to do something professionally with horses and stuff and I always got to the point where when I was really tacking on more rides with various horses I just got burnt out I got tired of it I didn't some days you just don't want to go out to the barn and ride and I think that's something that we people need more cognizant with in like the horse community and everything but going forward I would really like to compete competitively with one or two horses that's just my goal I want to event but I also want to, you know, be able to do a variety of things with my horses that they're not only eventers, but I like teaching tricks to my horses. I like, I don't know, I just, I like working with them with a lot of different disciplines and everything, but I would love to compete competitively in eventing with, you know, going training level prelim and intermediate and just moving up the levels that way. And so that's kind of my goals with my horses in the future. Although my pony is getting up in her elder years now that she's 18, but she wasn't started until she was eight, so we still have, you know, a few extra years on her that horses are starting younger. They have, you know, already developing arthritis or something of that nature where she doesn't have that going for her. She just has her creaky bones. <laughs> creaky bones. Well, sometimes she walks and something snaps and I'm like, oh, God, are you okay? Yeah, so for my my sort of 
like I said, I want to kind of work on trying a lot of different sports, especially with Addy and a little bit with Nim, though he gets really panicky when he's in their arena. He's really funny. He's one horse in the arena, totally different horse outside of their arena. Um, and so you just doing more trail rides, more adventures, just trying a lot of new things with them, I think would be awesome. I someday will get a horse that either physically can jump or wants to jump because <laughs> I uh, – I don't have either of those right now. Um, Nim does. Nim physically can, chooses not to. Um, That's true. He's not a jumper. <laughs> and Addie, it just it's not really in the cards for her um, to do that. It's just not good for her. Uh, so getting a horse at some point in down the road, it'd be nice to get another adventure and actually get really back involved with the sport because it is such a fun sport and I love it. But I also really love the idea of having project horses and having a spot where I can, you know, spend a year working with a horse or spend, you know, six months working with a horse um, and really bringing them along and making progress with them um, and then finding them either a new home or, you know, doing it for someone, for uh, someone who already has a home for that horse. I really do enjoy that. I've done a couple um, over the last couple years and of different ages and different – disciplines and experience levels and that's that's really fun um to just kind of have a project horse you're constantly working with that is I I really like that first phase of training horses that like first ride through the first like several months with them that is definitely like my favorite phase for whatever reason which is probably like the worst phase I'm sure (laughs) (laughs) like but I just have for some reason that I've found a lot of techniques that work really well to make that a really smooth transition from different groundwork techniques to, you know, getting techniques to just getting your weight on the horse and then going and getting off. And it's just a really fun time, I think, to teach good habits and to be, especially when you're working with older horses. Is this like a really weird niche, but I love older horses that have missed their like three-year-old start off either three to four-year-old starting time um and are like you know more mature I love starting more mature horses that um just haven't a clue what you're asking well I think in those kind of instances you can see your progression so fast and so quickly whereas later down the road when you're starting to specialize into your various disciplines or like you're really working on one skill is you don't see that huge improvement within one ride that you do with a horse that you couldn't get on in the beginning of the ride, and now you can get on and walk around on them. Are you saying that I'm only doing this for instant gratification? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Just here to tell you that you're selfish and only want instant oh my gratification. Gosh. That's really insightful. <laughs> I, like, never thought of it that way. That, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the reason I love it is because you make huge leaps in just a short period of time. And you, and like, you know that you're effective. Pat yourself on the back because I'm fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, like, you see. I just realized that. Yeah, no, you see it and you're like, oh, that was effective. Like, you see something that you just put into place work and you can see them you can actively see like the young brain working through it and so you get that instant gratification that you can see that like oh my god i am freaking awesome well now i feel (laughs) you're aware (laughs) you know all you got to be is (laughs) self-aware ouch (laughs) i just blew your mind didn't i i you kind of did because i had never stopped to think about it like why do I love this phase of the training so much? And you're right. It's because you can actually see the progress you're making Mm -hmm. versus like, sorry to say her name again, Addie. Oh my God. We're in a very different, (laughs) we're in a very different phase of her training where like we're trying to develop, um, you know, a right lead canter and that takes 
months because it's months of strength training yeah. and balance work. And then after like three months of lunging, then we can try to canter again. I do find that fun and rewarding, especially when it is such like a clear path. And I guess like that's just where I am mentally is that I struggle with horses where it's like I don't know what the like what's wrong and I cannot figure it out or you just like can't find that path forward. I like horses that are either super hot and your only goal is to relax them. <laughs> that is a, a path I have traveled a lot. No, I think we both have traveled I that have. path a lot. <laughs> give me a crazy thoroughbred and I'll calm it down in like 10 minutes <laughs> like I got that one I just like it re- keep remembering the time um I was at open oh my gosh, night I remember and this. We were, it's like it's this huge indoor arena that's used for like the fair and you know big shows year round and so they open up the arena for riding like in the winter one night a week and I remember there was a girl riding her thoroughbred and you could see that we were she was about to be like in the dirt she just she the was. horse was hot maybe she had never been to this arena and the horse was just panicking in this situation it might have been like a green rider on a horse. green horse but i remember things were going south real, they were going south really <laughs> and, fast and i think she had a trainer maybe it was her mom trying to help her and neither of them had knew what how to relax this horse or get it to calm down yeah, he was about to start rearing, and I rode up, total stranger, and was like, "Can I ride your horse? I know, Can I please ride your I horse for you right I now?" Slap you. Oh yeah, like I cannot believe she just gave me like this total stranger. <laughs> and I was like, "You can ride my horse. He's not going crazy." <laughs> uh, she didn't want to ride my horse. I don't know why, um, but I cannot believe this total stranger was like, "Yes." ride my horse I think that just like explains how frustrated she was yeah. with the situation where she was like please take this animal away from me yeah no, I think it, that definitely spoke uh, to how just how lost she was that she was like I don't know what to do yes yeah, so like take the horse so she like stood in the corner for like 10-15 minutes holding my horse while we just went in the middle of the arena and did ch- trot stretchy chewy circles and we made progress I we did not get to like loose rain we would not make it all the way there but okay strange horse in a brand new situation we made a lot of progress yeah you guys made a lot of progress but- <laughs> and it was a completely different horse that you handed back off to her yeah and i like i really hope that like i hope that moment stuck with her where like she needed to learn to like what is going on and how do i fix this but I definitely, like, that's me. I enjoy, like, give me your crazy horse right now. I got you. I got this. <laughs> I'll calm it down for you and give it back. <laughs> and I think, yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard to, like, sit there and explain to them what's going on. And sometimes, you know, it's easier to, like, get on and, like, make the progress. Yeah. And then explain. give the horse back and say, yeah, here, here we are. <laughs> but, yeah, so I love a good crazy horse. And I love a older horse that hasn't been started yet because, yeah. You, and again, the crazy horse being able to calm it down in 10 minutes, that's a huge improvement. So I guess I just like big rewards. You like the instant gratification. God, what a millennial. I like the instant gratification. I don't like participation ribbons, though. I, that's, I don't like participation ribbons either. And why are they always blue? Only first place is blue. Let's calm down on this. I have, like, a lot of championship medals. Oh, on my, my gosh. Aren't you cool? Actually, we do have a ribbon wall. At the house in Washington, and like it's pre- it's pretty cool. We have the plates and the trophies and the plaques and stuff from our one mm-hmm. from our one hit wonder wins that we were really still living through. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we won't go too into detail, but we did grow up in pony club um, and competing in eventing and doing the 
Pony Club rallies. We both got our C3 ratings. I quit Pony Club early because I was sort of exhausted and <laughs> done with that. Uh, there can be a lot of, you know, politics and drama. To clarify, Kelsey is a very tall, lanky person. Her horse that she had, Dublin, he is a very tall, lanky thoroughbred. And together, my God, it's like trying to get two states to work together with one another. And it's just her horse is a lot of work. And people were very rude about that. And we're not very understanding that some horses have different conformation and that it doesn't always look the same. One of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast is because we were so fortunate that we had a mom who was very invested in Mm -hmm. us and us having horses and being able to show we were when we were in high school and, you know, even I think high school through or elementary through high school, that direction, (laughs) (laughs) we were going to shows every weekend. We were taking lessons every week. Uh, Yes, we both were working students. We earned a lot of our lessons. Um. But when you're a single mom who has two horse crazy kids, you may have seven horses, aren't $10,000 horses each. Those are $500 horses. Those are $200 horses. And with that comes a lot of struggle. Uh, With that comes a lot of us trying to figure out how to teach these horses because we were buying green horses or we were buying horses that weren't bred for any specific discipline. So we grew up on these totally average horses who were not trained, who didn't have, who were either green broke, just off the race track, uh, started lightly, and brought them quite a distance. We did. I competed through uh, prelim. You competed through training level, I think, uh, as well as you did like large the upper horse course three divisions oh yeah and show uh, jumping so we wow i already forgot about that yeah so we (laughs) and then i made it through second level dressage with dublin but we did a lot with these totally average horses and we just really want to share our stories and the lessons that we learned with you because you can take a totally average horse and be really successful i mean one of the things that we really learned growing up was that I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but sometimes in the horse world, people can be pretentious pricks about things. We had like a little Morgan pony. His name was Sirius. I mean, he, people used to tell us to get rid of him in the beginning and everything. And then he ended up becoming a crowd favorite where he was absolutely incredible. He was like the next little Theodore O'Connor. And so we dealt with a lot of just getting excluded from things and kids being pricks and stuff. And so we learned all these lessons and everything and figuring it out with our average ponies, how to do the same thing all these other kids are doing with all their expensive horses. We figured out a lot of stuff just by being average, honestly. Yeah, and I think so much of the, you know, if you want to learn from a book, you pick up, you know, a dressage training book and you look at it and you see this beautifully bred horse. You see this beautiful rider who's had tons of experience trying to explain something to you that, you know, honestly, it doesn't make any sense. My horse, when I, you know, sometimes I read those books and I go, I know my horse won't won't respond that way. Yeah. That's the problem. Like, I need someone to walk me through these steps and try to help me figure out how I make this long, lanky thoroughbred who's, like you said, in three different counties, how do I make him, you know, get to a collected trot? Because he's not going to do it the way you describe it in that book. It's not going to be that easy. It's not going to be just closing my fingers or adding a little bit more leg. It's going to be developing the muscle, developing the strength, 
to to do these maneuvers to make it that way that far well it's very frustrating so, especially with the things that you see constantly with between books things that are posted on whether it's youtube instagram the magazines that are sharing stuff even the young event horse the young dressage horse shows that are out there is that you sit there looking at these four and five and six year olds and you're like holy crap my horse is 12 and can't do this stuff but these horses are bred specifically for this and so it just it really defeats you right from the get-go because you feel like well my horse is older and can't do these things and i know that it's just not as natural for them to do this and move uphill or have that kind of movement and elasticity in their gait and so it's, it's very defeating when you see all these things and you see all these people that are constantly talking about their exceptional horses when you're sitting in the back going i i just have a pony that i think has a tail i don't actually know for sure yeah, it, it can be really, really frustrating to, to look at those riders who do have the $20,000 horse whose parents can pay for the regular lessons from, you know, very accomplished trainers. Uh, and it can be really frustrating to know that you're not part of that, but I don't think that should detour you from trying to get to that same level. There are absolutely ways to work around it, to work a little bit harder, to turn the backyard pony or the $500 pony, the five, you know, even a $5,000 pony is not the same as a $10,000 pony, but to turn those, those projects, those horses into the champions that they are and to be on the same level as these other riders. We, we did it for a long time. Um, and, and we're still doing it, you know, even though Addie's the perfect horse, she was only $500. Sorry. No, but she, okay. The point is she was $500 and we're, that yeah, sucks. yeah, your horse is five um, because she free. has. Okay, both of our horses were reduced. Fees. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> and we are both finding ways to get them there. I think um, the most we ever spent on a horse growing up was eighteen hundred dollars, and that was on our very first pony. His name was Cirrus. He was this little Spitfire of a Morgan, and th- that was the most we ever spent on a horse. I think how much was Dublin? Wasn't he like four hundred, six hundred dollars? No, Dublin was like two fifty. Oh, okay. So I overestimated. Yeah, meat <laughs> meat prices were really down in the early 2000s. They were. Yeah. yeah. No, but we got our horses for super yeah. cheap. I don't, like, our most expensive horse was under $2,000, which nowadays you go to get it off the track thoroughbred, and that's around the price that you're getting them for. Yeah. I mean, Cirrus was 1800 but he was also the most trained of all our horses. He knew how to walk, trot, and canter. So. Can't say that for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, I think um, Cloud was the second most expensive. He was 600 Okay. Which I think seems like a lot. <laughs> it does seem like a lot for when I look back on poor Cloud. I, I think we paid for his color. Yeah, we did. We, he was a very pretty pony. I don't know how we'll get... We'll figure out a way to share images so you guys can see the ponies and the horses that we're talking about because I know you're hearing a lot of names and you probably still haven't figured out who's the one talking right now, but... Eventually you will, and it'll all make sense. Yes. At some point, this will all make sense. But that point isn't now. <laughs> um, so the last thing I think I wanted to ask was, who are some of our influential, influential, influential? Did I say that right? Influential? No. Influential trainers and riders. Like, who are riders that we Who are our biggest to? influences, you ding dong? Yeah, that. Those words. <laughs> those ones. I'll let you go first. Well, I haven't thought of an answer yet. Dang it. Oh, well, you don't just have them listed off like, what? No, I do. I I don't know why, but I've always, he. I don't think I've ever really watched him do anything else. One of my top favorite riders because of a cross-country ride he had at the Olympics, I think it was, <laughs> is Blythe Tate. Okay. 
Because he got a branch stuck in his helmet. I love that guy because he got a branch stuck in his helmet and he ran the rest of his cross country course with this little twig just bobbing up top. And I was, I think anytime anybody asked me who my favorite rider was, I always said him because I always just thought the branch stuck in his helmet when he hit a tree with his head. Yes. Yeah. He hit a tree. Totally. I don't know if he jumped into it or just got too close to the rail, but yeah, got it. I think he was jumping a log like into the woods or something and one of the branches was a little lower hanging and his horse must have popped over it, but he just caught a branch in his helmet and that moment has really stuck with me my entire life. That's really pathetic. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, he's a good rider. Like, I won't take I could have picked a worse guy out there, okay? Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Oh, gosh. Now I'm trying to think. Who else? Um, Who else do I like? Oh, I also, I really like... um, Ingrid Klo, you're going to hear me butcher her name. Ingrid Klim... Klimke. Is that it? Klimke? 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 Ingrid Klimke? Ingrid Klimke? I know what you're saying. Yeah, you smell where I'm stepping. I also, I really like her because she had a lot of uh, good training videos that our mom used to make us watch. And I really liked her videos because I remember I was watching one and I felt really defeated because it showed a really pretty dressage horse and was like, this is what your four-year-old should do. And then it specified on the bottom, this was a dressage horse. And then she showed, this is what your four-year-old inventor should do. And I was like, oh, my God, that looks like my horse. That looks like how we look. And I felt <laughs> I felt very motivated in that moment. Anyone else? Um, I know there's a lot. I'm going to think of them as soon as I'm not on the spot anymore. And they're going to be really good ones that are, like, way out of left field. And people are going to be like, oh, I never even thought about them. And I'm going to be like, bam. See, I'm not mainstream. You said Blythe Tate. So I think everyone knows you're not mainstream. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a good point. Oh, BZ Madden. Love her. She's great. I really like her style, how she rides. Um, Eric Lamaze, big fan of him, though I really do feel that he got cheated out of his career. Not cheated out of his career, but I think he had his heart horse and then his heart horse died on him in the middle of the competition. And that I think he had a really hard time bouncing back from that. Yeah, that would get you. That would get you down. That's for sure. Yeah. Who was the trainer? Like, I don't know if you remember this. Way back in the day, I had a lesson, a pony club lesson, and we were jumping and I fell off and hit my head on the jump standard. And I got up to go get my horse, and the guy was like, you're not going to cry? I was no. Good, because I hate all that crying and bullshit. Okay, so I'm like 12. <laughs> I know, not a clue who he was, but it was like, okay, I'm like 12, okay, please. Um, I did hit my head. I had a helmet on. I think that's the point of a helmet. It's why you wear helmets, folks. Um, oh my God. But I just like loved that response. I was like, good, I hate that. Okay. <laughs> Now I'm going to cry because you yelled at me for not crying. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I remember – so we did grow up in Pony Club, and I remember my D1 rating. It turns out I missed my D1. Like, there was multiple ratings going on at the time. I missed the D1 session and accidentally went in with the D2s. So I took the D2 rating when I was trying to get my D1, and my pony at the time, she would just bolt and, like, take off, and then she would refuse jumps. And the last jump of the course we had to do of like these cross rails, I think she like refused it or something. And I fell off and landed on my head and I was just started crying. I remember when the moms walked out to me and was like, I think you're in the wrong rating. And I was like, I think so too. And I was, because my point had already stepped on my foot. I was crying from that and landed on my head. I was crying from that. And then turns out I wasn't even in the right area. I was like with the wrong group of kids. That's embarrassing. Yeah. I remember the ground poles looked a lot bigger than ground poles that day. <laughs> 18 inch ground rails yeah pretty much okay who are your biggest influencers influences influences yeah um so i'm definitely someone who like constantly my interests change a lot so i have like a 
person of the moment, you know? Okay. If that makes sense. So right now I am super enjoying Dr. Stefan Peters. And um, there's a couple trainers who train underneath his method, uh, which is he really talks a lot about like the neuroscience behind the horse's brains and how the horse's brains work and trying to get them to uh, downregulate so that you're taking them from their nervous system back into the, you know, more curious and um, trying to think of the words right now for it, but you're trying to bring the horse so that they're in the right mindset to learn um, and that there's like certain cues that you're looking for from the horse to tell you that, yes, I am in the right mindset. I'm not panicking. I'm also not falling asleep and I'm ready to learn. <laughs> So that you can make the most progress with your horses, and it's really, That's it's cool. been really interesting. Yeah, it's been really interesting to just. It's things that you already know, but it's just like when someone explains it differently, or sometimes puts like the science about like why, why this it is works, what you're how it's for. working. Yeah, yeah, because it's the like licking and chewing. We all know licking and chewing is a good sign, and that's something that we're looking for from our horses. But why are they licking and chewing? What does that mean? Um, and how do you get the horse to lick and chew and get them into the right mindset that they are relaxed enough to lick and chew? So that I'm really enjoying. That's actually really cool. You're yeah, very, no, you have a lot more cool. logic though behind why you pick your favorite people. Yes. He didn't have a branch in his head any of the, um, <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> the learning sessions I watch. Not a Maybe single, you should reevaluate uh, your criteria. Um, and I also really love the Wilson sisters because I, oh, yes. spe- I really love their approach to how they work with their horses. Um, Vicky, the eldest, is an awesome rider, but she takes a full body approach, which I love. And I think that is so important. Our horses are athletes and we need to treat them like athletes. And that's a full body approach to training. And that's really the secret to making the average horse a competitor and being more than average is it's got to be a full body approach. Yeah, it's no. not just training. It's not just laps in the arena. It's full body no i do like the wilson sisters they have done they've done some really cool work with the kimwanawa horses in new zealand and they do a lot of really awesome stuff with just do you want to say that again do you want what, what kind of horses i can't say it again i was was i right though did i say the right no not even close Damn it. What, what what is it kim kimwano kamanawa well shut up stop saying it otherwise i'm gonna say it wrong <laughs> kimanawas kimanawas it's not kimanawas it's like kimwan kimnanawas Okay, the, the second one was wrong, but I was really close to the first one. <laughs> yeah, so with wild horses in New Zealand is what you're trying yep. to say. <laughs> Pretty much, but I was trying to sound like I knew what I was talking about. Turns out I don't. I think we've kind of given a little bit of background on ourselves for you guys to understand who we are, where we come from. If you haven't noticed, we're a little jumpy all over the place. That's just us, just our way yeah. of talking. We all have a little uh, ADD, ADHD, one of those disorders brain sets i don't know it's not a disorder it's like a our brains don't our brains jump maybe don't tell people that just (laughs) my brain's jumpy i got a jumpy (laughs) brain okay guys well thank you for listening to our first episode numero zero we'll work on getting i get i don't even know what we're gonna work on we'll work on it all we'll make these episodes flow most more smoothly but thank you for tuning in thank you for listening what what was our close off saying that we had stay in the Uh, saddle stay safe Stay classy, stay in the saddle. Yes, stay safe, stay classy, and stay in the saddle. Or don't, but at least get back in the saddle once you're done. Yes, always get back in the saddle. Don't stay out of the saddle. Get get back in.